Yeah, she'll teach you how to be artistically you. Not afraid to talk about what's taboo. So don't play small. Join the podcast with Nikki Collins. Autism Unmasked. Hello and welcome to today's show with myself, Nikki Collins, the autism coach. And I am joined by Emily Saunderson, who is a business analyst who is in a privileged position to have a fully neurodivergent family. She also has a passion for accessibility and is basically here for a nice chat. So that's perfect for me. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Emily. Hi, thank you for having me. and and for that great introduction um yeah it's for me um when i talk about um autism and my own diagnosis i i start i start with this little story uh, at 4 years old i marched up to my parents and said i'm an alien <laughs> and 30 years later i got my adult autistic diagnosis um I'm not an alien to the best of my knowledge there's no direct d- d- direct evidence suggesting not human um <laughs> but even as a small child I knew I wasn't like people around me I was a bit different maybe I was the weird quirky one I wanted to read the non-fiction books as I went through school I didn't get wasn't it really in socially and I don't know the school experience no good for me and I much prefer being a, a pretend grown-up not a proper grown-up because I don't think I'm grown-up yet um, but I now get to look back and go well I've got my family and they're amazing um, and I want for my own kids to have a very different experience to to mine um, but also in my workplace I want my kids to have their own experience but a fairly similar one where I've been quite privileged to be I use that word privileged in the fact that I think I've maybe in some ways got lucky um find a job that they love because doing business analysis is something that I really really enjoy and I'll explain more a bit about what it is in a minute just because mm. nobody really understands what I do um and um when I talk about that experience that I want my kids to have as they get older, it's it's the ones that I want to be having for myself now. So I entered into the workplace. I found my way. It was not easy at the beginning. I now am in a role that I absolutely love. I lead a team. I have a neurodiverse team. So I get to, to support and mentor other business analysts as they're going through their career as well and I see the advantages of having diversity diversity or neurodiversity as one but all kinds of diversity as part of my team um and what matters to me um matters to me for myself it matters to me for my kids and for my colleagues and for my team is getting through the door and being in Employed, if that's the right the way in which you want to earn, earn your cash because not everybody wants to be an employee but then career opportunity career progression leadership opportunity management opportunity uh, the ability to coach support mentor if you want that 
and that there's no there's no role that's off the table because you know you're autistic and you can't do that because I don't believe in that and I think that some people do um so business analysis uh, I, I sometimes call it the art of getting things right first time mm-hmm. um it's about under uncovering problems um where I do it is in the technology sector I'm currently working in public sector which is really nice um really good culture to be working in where I am right now um finding out what people's problems are and then helping guide them through the best way to fix it often in a technologically enabled way sometimes it's about fixing people's processes organizational structures and making things better for people and that is at the root of how I do anything I do is I'd like things to be helpful and easier and less stress and no headaches so that is who I am and what I'm about. (laughs) Awesome awesome going back to the very beginning and your Mm -hmm. alien comment you know what that is such a common thing and it is so common for females in particular to go through their lives and not have that diagnosis from such a young age but it seems like you was displaying some signs quite early on so yeah so so long for you well I'm gonna quote my mum whether she likes it or not I haven't asked her if I could she said to me and she said to me that when she was supporting my diagnosis she said we didn't even know girls got it back then and I'd say back then was the late 80s, early 90s. It wasn't 100 years ago. I'm not no, looking, just looking good for my age. <laughs> it, it, it goes back to stereotypes of diagnosis. And when people think autistic, when people think, what does autism look like? Or, you know, when that classic phrase goes, well, you don't look autistic. Ugh, yeah. I may, in fact, not be a small white boy <laughs> never have been um and that's okay because I am who I am um I'm, but it's that it, it's exactly that and my adult diagnosis came after one of my children's diagnoses and the more I looked at at at, at them the more I kind of saw it's a reflection of myself Mm. and I have to say my kids they were all the upgrades of me and me and my other half they're not you know they're better they're better in every every way they teach me how to be me and that's the point I got taught what I well who I am and what what I value after you know I I learned I learned how to be a, a best friend and a wife as I got married to my husband and he kind of is my model of how to interact with other humans. Um, and he's amazing. And my kids then taught me much more about how to be in touch with my own empathy and emotions. And I have become a softy as time has gone on and I was not, I'm much happier for it now. And the more I discover myself, the better mm. I feel. So yeah. And I, I know I know not everyone when they get their adult diagnosis engages their parents and some people have very difficult relationships with their parents. I have as an adult developed a much improved relationship with my parents compared to say when I was a teen and probably exhibiting some real crisis points. Yeah. Um, and it, whilst it was 
a difficult conversation to raise with them because I was worried about how they would respond to me going, I'm pretty sure I'm autistic and I think you might have missed it, but maybe there's not your fault because you don't know what you don't know. It was a difficult conversation. But the minute I said it and said, and the person assessing me would like to get your feedback on some of what you remember from my childhood, mm. they were so supportive and, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, relieved, but also not that surprised because they're amazing too. Um, and they gave, and my husband gave some real, really raw feedback on who I am and how I behave sometimes. And that's okay because I love them. They love me and they get to see all sides of me, including the rather difficult sides. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think once it was all down on paper, it all became pretty obvious. Um, yeah. And that's in some ways a good thing and in some ways a bad thing. And I have no animosity towards my parents for not going through a diagnostic process any earlier than you know me in my 30s getting there than myself. Yeah. I because mean, it, people don't know what they know, don't know. Exactly. It, and back when I first started kind of doing the work that I'm doing now, which was 2019, there were still medical professionals. And I'm prepared to say that there probably still are mm-hmm. that still are with the mindset that women can't be autistic. And Definitely. It's, just, it's so damaging and it's so stereotypes. And as you say, because the majority of research has been carried out on white cisgendered young males, anything that doesn't t- tick box neatly or falls outside of that criteria has historically been disregarded and put, pushed to one side. Oh, it must be mental health difficulties, it's bipolar, borderline personality. Yep. And I went through a series of misdiagnoses. I can't do anything about that. But there's been parts of my experience where I look back now and I feel like medical professionals failed me. Um, And it's because of that paradigm that they go by. Mm. Um, And it's frustrating because... To the best of my knowledge, most up-to-date research says that, you know, it's around 2% of the population and that's not 2% doesn't change regardless of any other part of your identity. So whilst there are certain communities where there's a higher overlap, particularly the transgender community, it's not that it's not because anyone is specifically of a particular race or particular religion or anything or a particular gender anyone could be autistic anyone could have any neurotype mm-hmm. and it it it's not fair that people are prevented from access to a diagnosis because of professional's perception mm. and if I kind of extend that out a little, um, it's why whenever things come up on social media saying, when should I tell my child they're autistic? And I go, now, right now, right bloody now. Because, you know, you could go for 30 years thinking you're an alien or mm-hmm. you could go no more years knowing that this is how your brain works. It's great. There's many, many positives. There's a whole community out there of people who are like you and who want to support you and want your success. And um, and you don't need to have, you know, three PhDs in neuroscience to understand 
autistic experience uh, and it's completely valid to just go that's your neurotype it's all cool yeah so exactly um, it's just a bit of openness yeah. and a willing to, willingness to learn from the people who actually live with those experiences every single day of their life and that's one of the reasons why I also see have sought for my children clarity on where they shine and where they struggle because ultimately it it doesn't matter what your, your neurotype is no. no two people are the same everybody's going to find something hard everybody's going to find something that excites them and I want to be able to develop people's passions um and so yeah I find problems in the workplace and but the real exciting bit is about helping people find the solutions to them mm. and say, same same as when I look after my team they all know I mother hen them a bit but it's because I want to see people shine across the there's board nothing, there's nothing more magical than seeing that light bulb moment yeah. when something just clicks there's something mm-hmm. that was a challenge you found a solution and I find that there are so many autistics who are solution focused yeah and it's brilliant it's, yep. it's just it's a language in its own right and I love it I love the language of solutions and problem solving um, it's why I think everything kind of fell into place you know I got I got got the career which I like and I, I you know I'm I'm not I'm not at the end point of my career that says this is the perfect career I'm done now uh, there's more to learn there's more to do and more for me to work on and develop in myself mm. um but pairing what I think is the right career path, more or less, with the right diagnosis and understanding my neurotype has made me, to be honest, a much happier person. Um, yeah, same. Like everybody me. to be happy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, that's a really important part of life. And you can't be happy all the time because it's yeah. just not possible. You've got to take the highs and the lows. And you you fall into the territory of toxic positivity if you say mm-hmm. oh just be happy and oh it'll all be okay so like, well, sometimes it has to fall apart yep absolutely <laughs> you just have to have the knowledge that you'll come back stronger and if you look back over your history as an adult who is in their 30s which both of us are there's been a lot of things where we've probably fallen apart and we've mm-hmm. come back and had to pick up the pieces and yep. we did it and yep. if we went through that again it wouldn't be nearly as hard because we've yeah. done it. So it's just to show that there is there is success in the past. <laughs> I, I I have often said that, you know, if you offered me that time machine, would I go back and change anything? And actually I wouldn't because if I hadn't gone through what I went through then, I wouldn't be where I am now. And I quite like where I am now, which means I had to go through, you know, get the bruises, um, get up, dust myself off. And, you know, some of those bruises are pretty deep. I can't pretend it's all uh, unicorns and rainbows. And I don't. Things can be very, very difficult. um, And sometimes they should be difficult stretches you there, there shouldn't there shouldn't be a life without challenge but maybe sometimes I would like a bit less challenge but you know what it's okay because I am where I am and you know the sun is shining outside on this Wednesday afternoon um so that's okay 
shining here too although I can tell you something when I jumped in that river last night it did not feel like the sun had been shining during the day I didn't literally jump in anybody who is considering swimming at this time of year do not jump into the water you could get cold shock and you could die ease yourself gradually disclaimer I mean I say you say that but two two days ago I I was swimming in the sea in Mallorca and I would highly recommend that but that's totally different. That sounds nice. What mm-hmm. I do sounds absolutely bonkers. <laughs> but it's great for yes. you now. Not sure I have the guts to do open water swimming in the UK. I started last year and I must say that it was really nice. Although we took a couple of weeks break because I wasn't well. And getting back into it <laughs> was cold, mm. literally. So I know that you work for long-term inclusion within the workplace. Mm-hmm. And I also know that you have some thoughts around disclosing your neurotype in interview situations. So do you I mind do. So I don't know whether it's just something I give off or whether I make people feel safe in interviews. I hope um I hope that um I hope that I do make people feel safe in interviews, but I've been twice, twice, not not millions of times, but twice people have disclosed their neurotype to me without me asking mm-hmm. um inside um an interview, you know, these people have not met me before, they're talking to me over a screen, and I'm like, great, amazing. I know how to I know I know what that means. I would like to be able to take these people on. Not out out of the two, not both ended up working for me. Um, bit of a shame, but you know what? They actually are both probably working in the right places for them. Um, I have never disclosed in interview for where I was the interviewee, and I've never felt safe in it. Mm. And I have found that when I have disclosed in kind of the the forms you fill in when you're applying it's more likely that I would have got an interview where I didn't disclose and sometimes I kind of felt like well why don't I reapply change the spelling of my name and not click this not not tick the same box and I'll probably get an interview Hmm. and I'm so frustrated that there's any kind of difference I understand that there's the element of um disability confident um where you know we should be offering adjustments in interview and giving in some ways preferential interviews to people who disclose a disability but it seems to be just a stamp that some people like to put on their websites I'm very frustrated by the idea that some people want to bring in neurodivergent talent to say oh yeah our neurodiversity um uh, stats are really good for this mm. period of time which is some oh, and, and too many times I've seen it being a fixed term entry-level contract and then we go oh we're diverse enough uh bye-bye no 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 career for you because mm. we were just looking to get you in so we looked good on paper is that really common um, I've seen quite a lot of it I think I think not every organization is as keen to 
advertise those positions as they used to be. And I say used to be changes in the last 18 months, but still some organisations seem to be really, really keen to talk about how good their entry positions are. But what about what's next? You know, I'm not at an entry level in my career and I've worked hard since graduating to be where I am. Would I find myself barred from certain um, upper level opportunities if I disclose? And I think the reality of the situation is, yeah, absolutely. Mm. And the organisation I work for now has been really, really supportive, Um, not in in a very organised way, but I've had great support from colleagues, from mentors, um, line management and HR. So all the right tick boxes. I've had all the right support from the right groups of people without it being formalised. So, And I I don't think it always needs to be formalised. I think there's such a thing as accidental diversity, where you've just managed to get a diverse set of people in your organisation because you're trying to hire the best people for the job. And I think that's the ideal if there's no effort being put in to create diversity, it's happening naturally and you are getting a great, diverse, best team possible, that's a win all round. Um, but I, when I chose to go back into the job market, I also chose to be exactly who I am. Um, I struggled with disclosure and then I decided that I was going to just get used to disclosing and get used to the conversations it's still hard for some people especially when you're dealing with hierarchy and you wonder if it's going to affect your employment and I shouldn't have to worry about it but do I worry about the judgment that of the preconceived judgment that people aren't gonna take me as I am Mm. Um, yeah but are going to go I knew this autistic person and therefore I'm going to assume that you're going to be like this other autistic person that I once met and I've come across some of that I did a bit of an education piece and someone piped up about this kid they knew who was excellent with dates and times that's great but I'm not sure what day it is today um, I have to literally check my watch to go, oh, it definitely is Wednesday because it says it right here. Um, uh, that's what my phone's for. The level of education in general that people have, if you're not inside inside the community, um, can be really, really random. Mm. I think the way I explain it to people is, is one in seven people in the world is neurodivergent. That's over a billion people, of which 2% of the world population-ish are probably autistic, whether they know it or not, could be a lot more. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of bare minimum stat, 100 million people. That's wild. That's, that's a lot of people. There's no way I can imagine that number in my head as human beings standing about the place. There's so There's such a lack of knowledge and yeah. if you get into a state of, of, of where only over 20 percent of autistic people are even employed it's just missing massive amounts of talent people mm. who haven't been given the opportunities people who haven't had access to opportunities 
And so the little things I can do, like happily employ somebody who discloses to me, not just because they've disclosed, that's not why I would want to employ them, but because they're also fantastic at the job and Mm. they're going to get prejudged. And I want to make sure they feel safe because when you are psychologically safe at work, you will do your best work because you will want to do your best work because you are happy to do your best work. And it's not just about money making. It's about the intrinsic value that you and feeling valued because you've got something to add, something positive to add to your workplace, society, your family unit, your your colleagues as a team, all of it. Um, And yeah, I just want to make that the case. So yeah, maybe I'm setting expectations for myself quite high when I do that. But that is what I try and create in the workplace around me. I want it created for me and I want it created for my kids when they go through school and they go through into the workplace is that it's no big deal talking about your neurotype. It's literally not the most exciting thing about you because actually what you like, what you can do, what you're interested in, what you bring you know the the added value you bring to the table matters mm. far more than how the gray matter is all plugged together because that's what like whatever <laughs> absolutely i couldn't agree more and when you are kind of bringing in autistic and neurodivergent talent you are just kind of adding to that pool of different skills and when you've got people who think and act and process the world and information differently that's actually a strength when there's a place for that in your organization there is a strength that that brings because you have the -the out-of-the-box thinkers and we have this innate ability to be able to go well why are there so many steps to this we don't need that or that or this or the other and why are we doing it that way because we're naturally inquisitive as well yep why are you doing it that way? Well, that's how we've always done it. So, well, maybe it's time for a change then, because actually, if you took this step, this step, and combined these two into like one and whatever yep. it is, you can get to from here, point A to Z, so much faster, saving this amount of money. It is all about the effectiveness. And when you've got neurodivergent people amongst the components of the engine, it just all, it just works together so, so well when people are understood. Um, yeah. Instead of going, oh, well, it's how we've always done it. Get on with it. It's like, oh, well, it's, all, it's how we've always done it, but maybe it's time to look at that. Uh, anybody who is a change professional knows the words it's how we've always done it um well they should it should they should shudder they should absolutely shudder and know <laughs> oh we are in danger territory here because people don't like change even if it's good for them um and you know well I don't love personal I swear I I, I joke I'm a change professional who doesn't like change so I work in helping people um <laughs> develop you know the best the best answer but my answer is not the best answer it's not about me and what I think because I do it for others I help them find what is the best answer and that's why I want to see diversity around me because Mm. I am very happy to be wrong Mm. I'm very happy to be wrong 
give give me a good a good reason as to why I'm wrong and I'll change my mind so quickly because either you know better than me or you've seen something that I can't see and yeah, yeah maybe I can see inefficiencies in a process um, and maybe the way it's always done there are external factors that drive why it was done that way and I can't know the history if I've come in fresh um, so it's it's one of those things where the value of old and young um, different socioeconomic backgrounds dif- different racial backgrounds um, different geographic backgrounds all bring a different sense of well this is what I think is right and when you can get that melting pot and mix it all together and get people all on the same page with and how can we actually do it mm. you can come up with really great solutions um and i like to apply that home life work life i try sometimes i then march into my own house and go why have you done this don't do it that way do it this way the end because <laughs> sometimes i'm a terrible hypocrite but <laughs> so my family also used to the fact that I do get I do do have a bit of hint of shouty mummy every so often. Not the oh, worst thing I think in the that's world. just human nature, and sometimes we just get a little bit overwhelmed. And it's incredibly frustrating when there there are little people who are just totally ignoring you <laughs> or doing the opposite of what you're asking. It's like, please, just put your shoes on. Please, it's just a shoe. It's just a sock. Put the shoes on, on your feet, not those feet, the other feet. <laughs> yeah, be um, frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Um, saying that, roll, roll on Monday when the kids are back at school and, ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel that from here. <laughs> Sigh of relief, it's palpable. <laughs> oh, we wouldn't change it though. Love them to bits. So could you imagine if you had neurotypical children? So um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting question. And and my husband and I joke, and this is horrendous. um, (laughs) Oh, we'd love, we'd love them anyway, even if they were neurotypical. Terrible, terrible thing to say. We really shouldn't say it. Um, Um, but it, it it's led me to certainly do a bit of reading up because I don't have the same neurotype as all my children. I mm. might not have the same neurotype as any of my children. My experience is unique to me and my guidance to them. Mm. It has to be tempered with the fact that I'm not experiencing life the way they're experiencing life because um, that's just how it is. Um and I've read some really interesting articles that the experience of neurotypical children to neurodivergent parents is not wholly dissimilar to the experience of autistic children to neurotypical parents feeling mm. very out of place um, because you're effectively speaking different languages the whole time. Every so often I write something that is quite novel. So I... I, one of the things I did after I got my diagnosis is I decided I was going to spend a full year engaging in advocacy and learning for myself. So absorbing myself in autistic um, communities, uh, social media, 
advocating and speaking up because I already had some fairly strong opinions. I think probably not news that I've got some fairly strong opinions. Um, and I wanted to share them in a positive way because if there's any chance that any kid can not go through some of the difficult things I went through because I said something helpful, I think I have to speak up. Yeah. So I engage in various different social media platforms um, when I can. I now don't do it every day. It's been more than a year and I can leave my, let myself off. But I did more than a full year of every single day doing something positive. Somebody wrote on one of the groups that nobody likes their kid. Nobody likes the kid. And Ooh. it's it, it's not an unusual situation that people do post about um, mm. and about, you know, how to set up the right social organizations around them. Um, so I, I'll, I'll read I'll read what I shared um, and I hope that the person I shared with it with found it useful. If it's not and it's a load of drivel, that's okay too. Um, so here's a secret truth of all neurodivergent versus neurotypical language disputes. Neurotypical people, individuals, they lie all the time, not maliciously or intentionally, but it's the combination of colloquial language implication and the accompanying body language and how all of that works together a simple explanation is if you ever say to your kid wait a minute and 65 seconds later you become available it, you didn't mean an exact minute but you said what you said yeah um autistic individuals and many other neurodivergent individuals only learn to translate this language we don't speak it so we mistranslate frequently, see, hear and feel things that are not necessarily what was meant by people around us because we're just translating. Mm. Equally, in general, neurotypical individuals aren't required to do this tiring translation as a matter of course and may never even try, even if they've got autistic family members, because... Either they don't know it's a thing or they think that the onus is on the autistic person to learn to communicate better. Uh, many neurotypical people are just unaware of the added extras that form part of their communication. And that these are things that are noticed by us and we place value on them as purposeful communication, whether intended or not. And when we do them, we plan to do them. And this is a very tiring cycle that after some time, many autistic people just feel like they're never going to be believed so give up trying mm. um so my advice was when it comes to finding friends and people to hang out with pick friends who learn this child's local language because think of it like a classic brit abroad if you don't learn the lang local language and you just shout english louder you win no friends and they'll go oh it's the awful british people they've come in to shout and then you know you just shout louder and gesture more and hope for the best um, if you're spending your whole life doing that and never understood, so pick 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 somebody who who'll speak that language. Um, and this is this is this kind of relates to that. What if my what if I do have a neurotypical child, um, and the onus is on me, not on my child, to translate myself. And that's not an easy thing. But having my diagnosis makes me more aware. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, you know, against, it's not specifically masking, but learning how to 
carve my language in such a way that I'm understood because, you know, not all children understand adult language regardless. Um, so it's, and the onus is on me as the adult. Um, but yeah, sense. so I just want to do those little bits here and there, help other people, help myself, help my kids, help my family. Mm. Um, I say not all unicorns and rainbows, but definitely a lot of unicorns. We do like a good unicorn. Oh, you've got to love a unicorn. Unicorn, unicorns unicorn. are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I know I sound a bit preachy when I read that thing, and I do worry. <laughs> I sound a bit self-important, but I, I kind of mean so. it. I think if nobody gets to hear from the inside autistic experience, mm. they won't know. So if there was one message that you could kind of put into the workplace, what would that message be? That's a hard question. It's a good one, though. <laughs> good question. <laughs> Never make an assumption. Assume capability and competency. That's kind of was more two-ish. Yeah. But it's mm-hmm. that capability, competency, and leave leave your leave leave your um predetermined ideas at home. Like anybody that. could do anything. If they're already employed in your organization, then somebody already saw that they were put, they were able to do something. And if you're looking for somebody new, don't get turned off by the idea that somebody could be different or difficult disability is not shameful it's part of human diversity biodiversity um bit of judy singer quoting there um and you don't want to miss out on amazing talent Mm. so don't perfect i like that i like that and if people want to connect with you they can do so on linkedin is there any other platform that you so i'm kind of more socially on other platforms linkedin's the best bet for me um in general send send me a message before connecting just so i know you're not some rando but um i'm really glad to, to network and talk to people um especially if you've got interest in anything that I talked about brilliant brilliant well it's been interesting having this chat today and thank you for your time and thank Thank you you for having me (laughs) so uh, what I'll do is I'll pop your LinkedIn profile into the transcript and show notes so that people can click through and stalk you (laughs) (laughs) oh dear oh dear what have I let myself in for Uh, no honestly thank you for having me um good chat and for our listeners don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never have to miss an episode again thanks for tuning in to the podcast with nikki collins autism on